Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Sounds better from up here. Okay, good. So I do know you guys desire to be a faithful presence in this neighborhood. And I also know that that's not easy. I've been part of this a similar pursuit for 30 years, and I know what it costs. But over those 30 years, I've also seen what it generates. I've seen the fruit that generates. I've seen people find a new sense of hope about a, a way of integrating their lives and, and living with more freedom and, and more healing. Um, so this, this embodied life that we live um, is not new, but it is holy. It's rooted in the, the heart and the soul of the very first communities of faith that sought to follow God in the way of Jesus. And I believe it's a grace uh, to be shared. Uh, it's a grace to be lived. It's a grace that the world that's hungry for more, something more real, more authentic, more holistic, and more healing is looking for. This morning, I want to talk about two people uh, that almost nobody ever talks about. Two people who had never had an Instagram feed or a TikTok account. Two people who never hustled to build their personal brand or to be seen by the masses. But two people who truly embodied what it means to live a faithful presence right where they have been planted. These two folks helped create communities of faith throughout the ancient world. They're heroes, though they're silent heroes. And I want to look at their story this morning, not not to mimic their lives, that was their life, their lives to live, but to be inspired by their lives, to maybe let their lives ignite our imagination and empower us to touch the world around us. Their names are Priscilla and Aquila. And this morning, we're going to hear their story. We're going to hear the entirety of their story. And I'm going to move kind of fast, so stay with me. We're going to to take a little tour around the ancient world. So the first time that Aquila and Priscilla show up in scriptures is in Acts 18, verses 1 to 3. The five passages, they show five places. All five passages are printed in your worship folder. So you're going to see all we know about their lives, at least from scripture. So let me read this first passage. And then I'm going to throw a question out at you, so be listening. From Athens, Paul traveled to Corinth alone. He found a Jewish man there named Aquila, originally from Pontus. And Aquila and his wife Priscilla had recently come to Corinth from Italy because Claudius had banished all the Jews from Rome. Paul visited them in their home and discovered they shared the same trade of tent making. He then became their lifelong guest, long-term guest, and he joined them in their tent-making business. So, what do we learn just from these three verses about Aquila and Priscilla? I'm going to this, this is a, I'm going to ask you to respond, and and don't be um, don't be worried that you're going to say something that's like too obvious or too simple, because um, sometimes really important little details are right there in front of us and we and we miss them. So just. Colin, what do, what, do we, what do we learn about Aquila and Priscilla from these three verses? They came originally because they were banned. 
They came from Italy from their band. So they lived in Rome, most likely Rome, and they were tossed out of Rome. In AD 49, there was this edict called the Edict of Claudius, Emperor Claudius. And basically he felt that the, the Jews in Rome had become dangerous, that they were inciting, uh, in, they were instigating a revolution. Uh, and so he banned all the Jews from Rome. And that's what it says here. Now, Suetonius, the, the writer Suetonius, actually said it wasn't all the Jews, it was just the Jews, the certain kind of Jews that were banned from Rome. The Jews who were all in on their faith. The Jews who were committed. The Jews who were part of this Jewish sect that followed Jesus as their king. Those were the Jews that Claudius felt were dangerous. Those were the Jews who got tossed from Rome. And Aquila and Priscilla were part of that group. So they lived in Rome and they were tossed from Rome. What else do we learn? They were tent makers. So they, were, they had a craft. They made tents. Now today we might say they were in the textile industry. They made rugs and coats and yurts and, and, and all kinds of things made from fabric and leather. What else? They formed friendships. They developed and a lifelong partnership and a relationship with Paul. Yeah. Anything else? We learned they were Jewish. Well, at least at least Aquila was was Jewish. Says he was from Pontus, which would be up kind of northwest Turkey near the Black Sea, but he had moved to Rome. So we know that Aquila was was Jewish. Very likely, Priscilla was not Jewish. Priscilla, just the name Priscilla would have not been a common Jewish name. In fact, it would have been a name that you would have seen for people of more social standing, probably a higher education. Um, and as the story begins to unfold, we'll probably see that Priscilla may, may have even come from money. So now we have this kind of mixed religious couple, a Gentile and a Jew, who get tossed from, from Rome. And now they're living in Corinth. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a bit of a, a moving map this morning. Uh, so I want you to see how the sound works. Picture here's, over here is Italy. Picture the boot of Italy, right? And, and right about here is kind of the peninsula of Greece and Acacia, kind of down the middle. And then over here across the um, Aegean Sea is what we now call Turkey or Asia Minor. So we know that and Priscilla are over here in Rome, living in Rome. They get tossed from Rome, and they make this long journey from the west side of central Italy, probably got on a boat, probably worked their way down into the Mediterranean, and then up the Adriatic Sea a little bit to the southern tip of Greece, and they're now residing where the story picks up now. They're now in Corinth. The Corinth was a a bit of a dicey city. It was a commercial and a communications hub in, in, in the Roman province of Acacia. It was all, also pretty famous for, for spectacle, for immorality, for excess. And that's where we see now Aquila and Priscilla move from Rome to Corinth. As, as Laurie said, they were tent makers. 
They were probably even a bit more. They were probably entrepreneurs. They owned a business. And again, as the story unfolds, we'll, we'll see they very likely owned a string of enterprises throughout that Asia. So they were industrious. They were creative. They were bold. They were successful. And they were mobile. All right, let's go to the next passage. Oh, I did want to make one more little quick point here about their revolutionary, their revolutionary spirit and being, being tossed from Rome, being part of that elite, if we can use that word, that group that was viewed as so devout that they were dangerous. Laurie and I lived in, in Budapest, Hungary for six years back when Budapest was on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain. Um, and people would often ask us when we lived in Budapest, uh, what was it like to minister or to work with the underground church in Eastern Europe? And really that was somewhat of a misnomer because the church was technically not underground. The church was quite above ground. As, and as long as the church had proper supervision and did things respectfully and politely, respectful to the communist government, socialist government, as long as the church stayed in its lane, the, the, the state was fine with church services. But it was when the church got outside the walls. It's when the church went into homes, when it went to the marketplace. That's when the church became dangerous. It costs to be part of a church like that. But if we want to follow Christ in the way of Jesus, if we want to follow Christ in the way of Aquila and Priscilla, we need to be okay with that we need to be okay with getting tossed from the public square. All right, let's go down a few, few verses, down in Math, uh, Acts 18. And let's see what, this is a bit longer passage. But again, just be listening for little details that might be important. Here's what Paul writes, or what Luke writes in Acts 18. Paul stayed a while longer in Corinth, but then it was time to take leave of his friends. Saying his goodbyes, he sailed for Syria. Priscilla and Aquila with him. They landed at Ephesus, which would be a common stop on the way to Syria, where Priscilla and Aquila got off and stayed. Paul left the ship, the ship briefly to go to the meeting place and to preach to the Jews. They wanted him to stay longer, but he said he couldn't. But after saying goodbyes, he promised, I'll be back, Lord willing. A man named Apollos, Apollos came to Ephesus. He was a Jew born in Alexandria, Egypt, and a terrific speaker, eloquent and powerful in his preaching of the scriptures. He was well-educated in the way of the master and fiery in his enthusiasm. Apollos was accurate in everything he taught about Jesus up to a point, but he only went as far as the baptism of John. He preached with power in the meeting place. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and told him the rest of the story. When Apollos decided to go to Acacia province, his, Ephesians, his Ephesian friends, i.e. Aquila and Priscilla, gave their blessing and wrote a letter of recommendation for him, urging the disciples there to welcome him with open arms. The welcome paid off. Apollos turned out to be a great help to those who had become believers through God's immense generosity. He was particularly effective in public debate with the Jews as he brought out proof after convincing proof 
from the scriptures that Jesus was indeed God's Messiah. All right, let's just throw out a few little tidbits of information. What do, you, what do you hear? What do you see in that passage? Again, don't be afraid of just kind of stating some obvious facts. They're important. Right, they left with Paul to Ephesus. So they're over here in the southern peninsula of Greece, right? Italy to Greece. Now they move out here into the Mediterranean and up the Aegean Sea over to Ephesus, kind of on this west coast of what we now call Turkey. So now they're over here. They've got, and, this, and, you know, they're making these journeys with no trucks, no cars, no paved roads, no ferries to haul their wagons in the boats across. I mean, this is a, these are rugged, rugged trips of hundreds and hundreds of miles in a time when travel was difficult and very, very expensive. We think it's expensive now. You had to be wealthy to actually make these journeys. Again, a little indication that these folks, they, they had some money. They were successful people. So now they're over here in Ephesus. What else? So they're, they're flexible. They're mobile. And they're somewhat rugged. Anything else? They stayed there. Yeah. Paul, Paul gets off. Paul gives a sermon or two in the synagogues. And then Paul's off to Syria. So he Paul's back out in, this, out in the Mediterranean and off his way that way to Syria. Aquila and Priscilla stay. They stay there. Which is really interesting. Because now, in a sense, they're their influence has expanded. I mean, they're not kind of just tagging around with Paul. They're taking his place. I mean, he's leaving them. He's leaving them to steward this, these, this, this faith community. And in Ephesus, different than Corinth, but also quite immoral, Ephesus was, again, a, this, the focus of the Roman Empire in Asia Minor, again, what we would call Turkey. It was also the hub of all kinds of cult religions. So it was a very complex, dicey city with conflicting philosophies and approaches and worldviews. And in that dicey, rough, rugged place, Paul essentially says, Aquila and Priscilla, you've got the ball. I'm on the way to Syria. You got this. So that's big. Anything else that we see in this passage? Jordan. Yeah. And I thought it was that Yeah, yeah. So many good things in there. So Paul, Apollos comes from Alexandria, Egypt, which was the second leading city in the Jewish world, or in the, in the ancient world, the Roman Empire next to Rome. It was also the largest community of Jews in the entire world lived in Alexandria, North Africa. It was the, the place of what was called the museum, the largest library in the world, over 700,000 volumes of books in this library. It was home of the school of catechesis, like this major center of education and spiritual formation in the ancient world. Um, and it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a center for, for Jews and, and Romans and Egyptians, but Babylonians and Persians. People from all over the world went to Alexandria to learn, to study, to dig deep into the, into the books. And that's where Apollos was from. 
just play that out a bit in your mind so we know this, this guy is deeply educated. He's from the center of knowledge, his place of influence. And he makes his way up to Ephesus. And he joins this little community of faith, probably no bigger than this one here. And Aquila and Priscilla see this guy. They recognize his potential and they mentor him. They invest themselves in him. And then when he leaves, they give him a letter of recommendation and they send him out into their kind of vast relational network where he does what they say, really good work. Really, really good work. Anything else? Yes. Good point. He was still a learner. You know, his, his knowledge was incomplete. He didn't know the full Jesus story. And he humbled himself and let Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila fill in the gaps. Good. He was a learner. Let me touch on one more thing. It's very, very subtle. So in this passage, the second time that Aquila and Priscilla are mentioned, there's this, there's this shift in order of the language or the identification of the, of the people. In this passage, Priscilla is mentioned first over Aquila. Again, very, very subtle, but very, very significant. Expect, especially at that time of the world, to mention a woman's name before a man's name was shocking and an honor. And then in the, next, the, the three passages that we're going to get to in just a moment, two out of those three times, she is mentioned first. Indicating that there's probably a bit of a shift of power dynamic, a shift of influence. And I think that Priscilla might, between the in that couple, Priscilla might actually have been the more influential of the two. And she begins to take this leading role. And she mentors. They just think, I mean, try to get back into that ancient world 2,000 years. A woman is mentoring Apollos, who was a rock star, who was famous, who comes from Alexandria, with all of his grandeur and elitism. And it's a woman who mentors him significant role that she had. All right, let's, let's bounce to the third passage, Romans 3, 16, 3 to 4. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome who worshiped under the shadow of the emperor. And this is what Paul writes. Say hello to Priscilla, again, mentioned first. Say hello to Priscilla and Aquila, who have worked hand in hand with me in serving Jesus. They once put their lives on the line for me. And I'm not the only one grateful to them. All the non-Jewish gatherings of believers also owe them plenty to say nothing of the church that meets in their home. All right, what do you see? What do you see in this Romans passage? Home church. The church that meets in their home. In fact, if you look back at these passages, you'll see Everywhere they went, they birthed, created, nurtured a community of faith in their home. What else? Anything else? They put their lives on the line. They risked everything. Donald Miller, author, maybe some of you have heard of him, he wrote this once. It's not necessary to win for a story to be great. 
it's only necessary to sacrifice everything. Aquila and Priscilla sacrificed everything. They were willing to sacrifice everything, and that caught people's attention. And they were honored and loved and respected because of their willingness to sacrifice everything. At this point in the story, Aquila and Priscilla have become pretty big deals. And they're kind of known throughout the ancient world. They're famous, but not because of their roles, not because of their titles, not because of their ecclesiastical standing. They're famous because they risked everything, they opened their home, and they helped people become the best version of themselves. All right, let's go to the fourth passage. Oh, one more thing in that, that passage. Let's look, look at it again. Paul writing to the church in Rome. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and what does he say? First sentence, first couple words. Say hello to Priscilla and Aquila in Rome. Now, they're all the way back, other side of the ancient world. They're all the way back in Rome, where they started. Rome, to Corinth, to Ephesus, back in Rome. House church, house church, house church, house church. Community of faith, back in, back in Rome. All right, now let's go to, I'll stay here, I'll stay here in Rome. 1 Corinthians 16, 19, got two more short passages. Paul writing from Asia, so Paul's still way over there in Asia Minor, what we now would call Turkey. He's writing back to Corinth, and he says this. The churches here in Western Asia send their greetings. Aquila and Priscilla and the church that meets in their house says hello. I'm going to read that once more, and then I'll just, I'll, I'll just jump right into some observations. Paul, writing from, writing from Asia to the church back in Corinth, says this. The churches here in Western Asia send their greetings. Aquila and Priscilla and the church that meets in their home sends their greetings. So where are Aquila and Priscilla? Back in Asia. I can't think of these hundreds of miles, hundreds of miles, oceans, oceans, land crossings, no roads, no U-Haul trucks. They're all the way back over here in Asia. And they're with another church meeting in their home. Everywhere they went, Aquila and Priscilla created communities of faith that were vibrant, that were alive, and that were powerfully influential. Everywhere they went, they opened their homes. And at that time, and I think really for all times, a home was a really good place for the church to gather. I'm going to give you just three quick reasons why homes were always really good places for churches to gather. One, they were immediately available. Most people had one. Not Paul, but most, most people had a home. So they were available. Two, they were inconspicuous. And we need to remember at this time in the church's history, the church was still much maligned. The church was suspect. The church was oppressed. The church was a little bit like, you know, that, those churches in Budapest where you kind of had to toe the line. And if you got a little bit radical, you got a little vocal, you got a little out there in the cause for Christ, you got, you, get, you got your hand slapped or, or more. So they were inconspicuous places. And the third reason that I think a home works great to gather as a, as, as a community of faith is because they had a kitchen. Homes have a kitchen, a place to share a common meal together. And when we invite people into our homes, when we invite 
and help create a sacramental space of our homes and help show people a different way of life, a life that we were meant to live. We have the opportunity to fuel hope, to address struggles, to be seated as equals, to let petty divides wilt away. Around a table, we share life. And finally, in 2 Timothy 4.19, the fifth and final time we see Aquila and Priscilla mentioned, Paul writes this to his dear friend Timothy. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Onesiphorus. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. In some of Paul's last written words, written from prison, from house arrest in Rome, of all the people, of all the churches, of all the places that Paul had traveled throughout the world, he thinks of Priscilla and Aquila. And then at the close of that letter, 2 Timothy, Paul asks for three things. He asks for a cloak, he asks for Mark, and he asks for the scrolls. A cloak because he was cold. Following Christ had cost him everything. He didn't have a coat to keep himself warm. So he asked for a coat. He asked for Mark because he was lonely. Most of his friends by this point in the story had quit on him and or quit on Jesus. And he asked for the scrolls because he was hungry for the word that would sustain him. Paul knew what really mattered. And at the end of his life, he reflects on the people he had lived with, the people he had worked with, the people who he had served with, the people who he had formed a lifelong friendship with. And among those people was this remarkable, inconspicuous, almost unmentioned couple, Aquila and Priscilla. They are the face of influence. Aquila and Priscilla show us how to be present, to be faithful, to touch our worlds. Aquila and Priscilla, they got into good trouble for the cause of Christ, and that cost them. They opened their homes and extended hospitality. They had people's backs like Apollos. They put their reputation on the line for them. And if you've ever had someone put their reputation on the line for you, have your back, stand up for you when others weren't, you know how significant that is, how meaningful that is. They mentored the best and the brightest, and they helped turn the world upside down. They were industrious. They created jobs and alternative income streams wherever they went. They risked their lives by standing against the values of the empire. They led when they were called on, but they didn't have to lead. They led only when it was necessary to lead. And I'll close my message with this thought. They weren't that much different than you or me. They didn't write books. They didn't pastor a megachurch. They weren't seminary professors. 
They were everyday people who embodied a remarkable life simply by being present right where God had placed them. In some ways, their ministry was never bigger than a table. But around their table, they turned the world upside down. May we remember their story and be inspired by their lives. And may our imaginations take off. Amen.